special Thanksgiving episode of the Congressional Western Caucus podcast, A Voice for Rural America. I'm Chairman Dan Newhouse. I want to thank you for listening. Today, we're talking turkeys. I'm joined by Mr. Joel Brandenberger, who's the president of the National Turkey Federation, to talk about the iconic Thanksgiving turkey in the turkey industry across the United States. Stay tuned because later in the program, we're gonna hear from Representative Michelle Fishbach from the great state of Minnesota, who's a turkey farmer herself. And also John Burkle, a state representative from Minnesota who served on the National Turkey Federation Executive Committee for a decade. But before we get to that, I wanna welcome Joel. Thank you very much for being on the program today, Joel. Thank you for having me, I really appreciate it. So. Here we are already, we're heading into the holiday season. And and this week, we're getting ready for a very American holiday tradition, that of Thanksgiving. As we prepare to gather with family and reflect on what we're grateful for, we also start thinking of obviously the delicious food that we're all going to be enjoying and looking forward to. And of course, the centerpiece of most every Thanksgiving meal is the turkey. As our listeners know, the Western Caucus aims to highlight the work that's being done by folks across rural America. This week, we thought it'd be fun and festive and also informative to talk about the turkey industry. American turkey producers raise approximately, now get this, 240 million turkeys every year across about 2,500 farms. And like most of the agricultural industry in this country, they've overcome their share of challenges over the past year and a half. And now, like every other sector of our economy, are facing uh, critical supply chain issues. I know there's a lot of great work happening around sustainability and environmental stewardship within the turkey farming, but we are hoping to explore a little bit of that today. So, Joe, thanks again for, for taking time to be with, with us today. And to start off, could you give us a little background on the National Turkey Federation and the work that all of you do? And then maybe share a little bit about your background and how you got involved with the NTF. Well, thank you. Uh, thank you very much, Congressman. Uh, the National Turkey Federation represents uh, virtually 100% of the commercial turkey industry in the U.S., and we represent all segments, not just the processors, but the farmers, the hatchery owners, the, the breeders, the allied companies to provide goods and services to the industry. Um, we are their, their voice in Washington. We work with, with, with you and your colleagues on Capitol Hill on issues that are, that are important to us. We also work with the regulatory agencies. Um, that's one of our functions. The other, the other function is to tell the story of, of the industry and, uh, and hopefully to make Americans more aware of turkey products. We've actually got a, got a really exciting program going on right now, the Turkey Smoke Program. We participate in a number of barbecue competitions uh, around the uh, around the country, um, with we we we've gotten turkey to become a, a contest item at these events, and it's been uh, it, it's been extremely popular. So uh, maybe we can we can get one to Washington State before long. Yeah, that'd be great. 
Yeah, I've been with NTF for about 30 years. I worked on Capitol Hill and as a newspaper reporter before that, um, started out as their legislative affairs VP and did that for about 16 years. And for the last 15, I've been there, been the president and CEO. I see. Very good. Well, thank you for that. It, it sounds like the NTF does a lot while representing the people and the companies. It's got every aspect of the turkey production process. And because you have that, um, that, that far reach and you're in touch with every sector of the industry, looking ahead, what, what would you say are the top three challenges that uh, face the turkey industry? Well, I, I will say supply, you know, resolving supply chain issues broadly. Uh, if I were to real, drill down, uh, say, with, within that, solving the, uh, the labor availability problem that we have right now is, is, is a huge issue for us. Uh, things are easing a little bit, but, but for much of this year, our plants were having to run six days a week to get what, used, what, what in past times would have been four days worth of production. Um, because uh, there were times at the height of the pandemic when our when our plants were only fifty percent staffed. So, so getting getting back to having a reliable um, workforce is is extremely important to us. Uh, food safety will always be a huge issue for us. It's something that uh, it, it's something that that we have made a chief priority for decades now. We learn more as we go. We, we believe food is getting safer and safer and safer. And, and the press tells you a lot of negative stories about what goes on in Washington, but, but I'll tell a positive one, which is through the last five or six administrations, regardless of party, food safety policy has remained relatively steady, building steadily on past accomplishments. Um, and, and it's an example of how things can work well. I think um, most farmers would agree that uh, those, those are the issues that they could identify with. Uh, but it's particularly difficult as we enter the holiday season. You know, we saw last year, continuing on into this year, the pandemic completely disrupt our supply chains. Even now, what are we, nearly two years out from the outbreak of the, of the pandemic, we're still seeing those supply chain issues from trucking, shipping, manufacturing disruptions, and as you mentioned, labor shortages. I've heard from both my colleagues as well as people back home about these supply chain concerns. We already have increased stress on our supply chains during the holidays. But now, coupled with the disruptions from the pandemic, we're gonna, we're gonna feel it even more across the country, I believe, this year. Could you um, give us your perspective, Joel, on some of these supply chain issues from different aspects of, of the industry you're engaged with? Yes, uh, the, the, the supply chain issues have been significant. Uh, you've probably seen some companies have to cut back productions as, production as a result of it. Uh, frankly, we've been blessed not to have as acute a problems as some industry. Um, at the outset of the pandemic, um, the, the, the previous administration took decisive action to, um, to, to, to grant some waivers on hours of service and other trucking rules that allowed us to continue to get feed to the farm, the, the, the turkeys, the plant, and, 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 and then the, the finished product out to distributors and, and retailers. Uh, and, and the current administration has has kept those has kept those waivers in place, which we appreciate. So, so we avoided maybe some of the worst that some other industries have faced. But it 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 has been it has been a real challenge. The good news is 
because we've had a year and a half to adjust and figure things out, um, no American's going to have a problem finding a turkey this Thanksgiving in their supermarket. Uh, if they have a particular size they're interested in, or if they really prefer a fresh turkey to a frozen turkey, we do encourage them to get out, talk to the retailers now to make sure that they can that they can have one set aside, but, uh, but no one's gonna have a problem finding a turkey. And the other good news is that they're gonna be able to find it affordably priced. We still remain a loss leader for a lot of supermarkets. Go to any frozen case and you'll find turkey for 79, 99 cents a pound or whatever for a, a whole bird. Um, you know, so so that that's something that makes us feel very good that uh, that we're going to avoid the the inflation cycle at least for this holiday. Um, you know, for those Americans who look and they don't have to look very hard for a, for a good value. Well, that's certainly good news, and I appreciate you sharing that with us. So, on a bit of a lighter note, I understand that the National Turkey Federation provides turkeys to be pardoned at the White House every year. So, tell yes. us about this. Yeah, tell us about that. Absolutely. It's a tradition that dates back to 1947 with President Truman. Uh, it's continued through every administration since. Obviously, um, this uh, this will be our first opportunity uh, to present one for President Biden. We in, we anticipate doing that and, and and look forward to the opportunity. It's uh, it's a great ceremony. It is full of all sorts of unique and and, and really nice moments. Um, in 2001. The, the second president, Bush, was able to uh, to do the ceremony and then depart straight from there to visit the troops. Um, it's 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 a great um, it, it's a great tradition. It's um, and, and it's and it's a lot of fun. And it's actually, again, one of those events that's unifying that sort of allows our country to kick off the holiday season uh, with with that ceremony. You know, that's great. People appreciate knowing about that. Well, Joel, uh, this has been a great discussion. I, I can't tell you how grateful I am that you took some time to be on with me and to, to share your work that you're engaged in advocating for turkey producers. So I got to ask you, uh, could you share with our listeners what your favorite Thanksgiving or holiday tradition is? Uh, it's the meal preparation. There's no question about that. The family all together, everybody with a everybody with a task, and um, and and just just it, it's it's sort of what it's about: bringing family back together, everybody working together to produce a delicious meal. Um, it, it's what makes Thanksgiving special. It really is. It really is. Well said. And, you know, I should point out I saw some great Thanksgiving recipes on the National Turkey Federation website. So I encourage everybody to check those out for some good ideas. Joel Brandenberger, National Turkey Federation, I want to thank you again for taking time to be on the show. It's been a pleasure having you, and I, I hope you'll continue to work with us as members of Congress to let us know how we can be of assistance, help amplify the work that you do, and support all those producers across the country. Well, we will. We thank you for your leadership. We've got the issues I already talked about and sustainability, as you noted earlier, is going to be an enormous issue for us going forward. And, and we just appreciate the opportunity to, uh, to work with you. And we appreciate the uh, shout out for eTurkey.org, our, our website. Um, there are some great recipes there. And you can link also to our Turkey Smoke website if you have a, if you, if you have a desire to try something a little different this Thanksgiving. So. Perfect, perfect. Well, well, happy Thanksgiving. Thank you, Joe. Happy Thanksgiving to you. Thank you.
Welcome back. I just had the pleasure of getting to know Mr. Joel Brandenburg, who is president of the National Turkey Federation. Now I am joined by one of my fellow members of the Western Caucus, Michelle Fishbach, who represents the seventh congressional district in the great state of Minnesota. Welcome, Michelle, and thank you very much for being on the show. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate the opportunity. You know, as as uh, as a big rural district and uh, top ag producer, excited to be here to talk a little bit. Great, great. Well, thanks for coming. With Representative Fishbach, we also have a, another local guest, Minnesota State Representative John Burkle, who served as the chairman and board member of the Minnesota Turkey Growers Association. And I believe he was also a member of the executive committee for the National Turkey Federation for many years. Is that right, John? And welcome, glad to have you here today. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Yeah, that, that's correct. I was uh, chairman in, uh, I believe it was 2012, 13. So uh, that was my year's chair. Awesome. Well, it's great to have a couple of turkey producers this time of year uh, on this program. So thank you guys both for, for making time to do this. Just a couple of questions to get the conversation going. Michelle, um, Again, thanks for, for joining me. I could be wrong about this, so you correct me. Just like I claim to be the only hop grower in Congress, I think you may be the only turkey farmer in Congress. So tell me if that's right. Um, I know this time of year has got to be very exciting for you. And can you share with our listeners what got you into the turkey business? Well, you know what? I don't know if there's others that produce turkeys in um, in Congress. I guess I've never had a specific conversation about it, but but uh, we're 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 a hobby farm, and we got into it. We moved out uh, to our farm a few years ago, and decided to raise some heritage turkeys. So they're the big brown ones, and and uh, it was just something that my husband and I decided to do after um, the kids were grown, and maybe we just needed uh, some something to keep us entertained. I don't know, <laughs> but uh, but so we ended up uh, with, with turkeys, and actually we've also got some chickens and uh, and a couple of peacocks too so oh. we're bird people we're bird people but yeah. but really uh really kind of get a kick out of having the turkeys around and we've got this year we actually um we were having a hard time keeping our poults. We were we were not uh, hatching our eggs very well and so we hope bought a whole bunch and ended up with uh far more turkeys than we thought we would because we had a really good batch. <laughs> so we're we're about 40 or 50 turkeys right now which is usually a little bigger than we do but um I'll tell you uh John has a lot more. He is he uh, is uh, is a real a real big producer and uh, very involved and very uh, just really happy to have him with us today because I think he adds so much to the state legislature and the conversation about about ag and real production ag. That's something that we're talking about and with the turkeys right now. So, uh, but it is um, it is there is something very satisfying about pulling your own turkey out of your oven and uh, and yeah. being able to know exactly where it came from. <laughs> well, let's let's go ahead and just make the claim that you're the only turkey producer in Congress and we'll see if anybody refutes that. OK, OK, we will do that. <laughs> well, thank, thank you. Um, Mr. Raquel, as, as Michelle was just telling us, you've been involved in the turkey industry for quite some time, I understand. And you actually presented to President Obama turkey a few years back in order for him to be able to grant it a pardon for Thanksgiving. And so 
Tell us a little bit about that story. And, and I'm sure our listeners would love to hear more about yourself, your background, your experience as a producer of turkeys and, and, and kind of some of the things you're up to today. Sure thing. Um, yeah, I, I, uh, I'm a fourth generation turkey producer, actually. So my family's been doing this for a really, really long time. Um, I actually, the farm I'm on now, um, I've been on for 30, going on 32 years. We grow typically you know, the white uh, broad-breasted breeds people are normally, you normally would see on, on the president's table on a Thanksgiving pardoning. Um, so those are typically what we grow and we're probably in the neighborhood of right now, as, as of two, two, three years ago, we converted to fully organic. So we, we're growing less than we normally would. Back, back at my peak, we probably grew 200,000 birds a year. Um, and the last few years, it's been 100,000. Since we've switched to organic, we're only doing probably Oh, you know, 30 to 40,000 a year, typically. Um, so that's kind of the, the background of my family, but we actually own a plant as a co-op in Thief River Falls, Minnesota. And uh, used to be an old Land Lakes plant. The growers bought it back in 1989, um, knowing that if they wanted to continue in Northwestern Minnesota growing birds, they probably needed to process and market their own. So um, we've kind of had some experience um, not just growing the birds, but processing um, through USD inspection, working with FSIS, the whole ball of wax, and then marketing birds too. So uh, that plant has been in operation since 89. So we're talking yeah, 32 years there as well. I, I, I started farming about the time the growers here bought that plant. Um, as far as the Obama pard pardoning goes back in 2013, um, on my work through the, through the state level uh, on the Minnesota Turkey Growers Association Board, and then as I worked my way through the, uh, the National Turkey Federation Board to the chair um, in 2012 and 13, it's, it's the chairman's duty every year to present that turkey to the president, whoever the president is that, that year. And it happened to be Obama that year. Um, yeah, I believe if I remember correctly, that was the first year of his second term. So he was kind of an old hat at the turkey pardoning thing. And, and uh, we grew the bird in our backyard. We actually built a little barn specifically for the turkey itself. And, and my <laughs> wife always wanted to have um, a little garden shed in the back. So I said, okay, tell you what we'll do. Uh, I think we were 20 years into our marriage by then. So I was like, I, I better get this done. So, so the, the compromise was we'll build this shed for the turkeys and then you can have it as a, as a garden shed in the back. So that's what we did. Um, 2013, we presented that turkey in November uh, with our family and um, my parents and her parents. And, and we actually brought along a senior class from our local high school uh, to the White House that year. Um, so it was, it was a great event. It's always a really nice nonpartisan feel good event kind of we've always looked at it in the industry as a kind of the kickoff to the holidays so yeah absolutely it's a, it's a tradition we learned uh that goes back to president truman at least correct yeah so very cool very cool well, well, well and i'll just add a little story you know i never i served in the minnesota legislature for many years but never served with john um he came in at the same time i went to congress but but he is a, uh, an old friend of my brother-in-law who was in the turkey industry. So we had a connection right away yep. um, when we were on the campaign trail together because he's been, uh, so he knew Fishbox. <laughs> I, did. Oh, I did very well. Awesome, awesome. So as I, as I mentioned earlier in this episode, I spoke with a friend of yours, president of the National Turkey Federation about some of the challenges that, um, 
uh, turkey producers face in our country. You know, we've got supply chain issues. We've got, in some parts of the country, drought issues, labor issues came up, a lot of different things. Uh, Michelle, on, on top of being a just a star member of the Western Caucus in your freshman term, you also serve on the House Ag Committee. And so could you maybe share with, with us some of the things the Ag Committee uh, is doing to maybe help alleviate some of these challenges? You know, we were doing a lot with, uh, we were looking at the drought quite a bit, you know, it, it, particularly I know up uh, John's region, he's a little further north than I am, so closer to Canada, but they were having some severe drought and that raises those uh, feed prices. And, and I know, John, we were at a meeting one time and you were talking about the stress that the birds were under and hoping you didn't lose a lot because of that. But it, uh, you know, we've been, we've been looking at, first of all, I think one of the big things is that drought and how we can prevent the issues that we had into the future and really prepare for that. Uh, but, you know, really trying to um, prepare for that farm bill in the next couple of years and make sure that we're getting the kind of input because uh, that, that's the important part is making sure that we understand from all of the farmers, turkeys, turkey farmers included, what they need um, in that farm bill to make the uh, farm bill more usable for them and that it actually does what it's supposed to be doing and accomplishing the kinds of things and, you know, not over-regulate the farmers. So we've really been looking at some of that. Uh, you know, I will say, unfortunately, I don't think we have been concentrating enough on production agriculture in, in the Ag Committee. Sometimes I'd like to see us do uh, more of it and get more testimony and really talk to the farmers a lot more. But we get out and about um, myself and, uh, you know, out to out across the district to really have those conversations so that we can better improve that farm bill in a few years. You know, Michelle, I'm glad, I'm glad to hear that that's one of your priorities because that's exactly what we try to do in the Western Caucus. We want to amplify those local voices because most all of us represent rural communities. And so that's really important to give those, those people we represent a voice. Um, John, I, I'm thinking that you and Michelle have worked together closely. Um, is there anything that we should be doing? Give you an opportunity to talk about some of the things that Congress maybe should be aware of that we could be more helpful to support the turkey industry in this country? Yeah, I, you know, first off, let me just say one thing. I, I want to commend Michelle for um, her efforts. She's, she has, like she said, painted the state. She's been up and down CD7, talking to folks about you know issues that affect farmers and we've seen her all over the place. So I, I can vouch for the fact that um, she's made every effort to reach out to uh, the farm community and understand the issues that really impact them from the top of the state to the bottom. And she literally has to cover the top of the state to the bottom. So a lot of work. Um, specific issues right now, I mean, and, and Joel Brandenburger, I'm sure kind of outlined a little bit of this, but labor availability has always been an issue in agriculture, but since COVID, it's even more of an issue um, and the impact on farms and processing plants and warehousing. And I think we're what, 80,000 truckers short in this country. So that affects reefers this time of year. If you're looking for your fresh turkey, you need refrigerated fans, getting those moved back and forth. Those are expensive. Um, diesel prices are up, um, but we really need some serious uh, work on immigration reform and, and a guest worker program that works for everybody. Um, mm. But labor avail availability in, in the industry is, is huge. And uh, we saw that in the supply chains, you know, early on in COVID, uh, when, when the concerns were there that we weren't gonna be able to get these, these uh, animals processed in a timely manner and 
They backed up on farms. We saw that in the hog industry. We saw it in the turkey industry as well. Um, it's part of the reason you're hearing, um, I won't call them rumors, but, but the concerns about turkey availability going into Thanksgiving this year. Sizing is going to be really, the, it's less about whether or not you'll get a turkey, but whether you'll get the size you want, I think is really what we're talking about. But um, beyond that, um, you mentioned the farm bill, animal disease research preparedness. We had some serious um, issues back in 2015 with high path avian influenza um, in Minnesota in particular. Um, preparedness for those disease um, events are important. Two more off the top of my head are our energy availability in 2014, I believe it was, we had some se severe propane issues and natural gas issues pricing. Uh, we used quite a bit of propane heating barns in the winter, especially in Minnesota. Um, and then we had producers paying five, six bucks a gallon for tanker loads of propane back in that year. So wow. um, being prepared for that coming, I, I have a hunch. My concern is we're going to move into this winter and have the same kind of issues with uh, uh, propane and energy availability. So, and then one last thing, and I think um, Michelle was at that meeting in Crookston, Minnesota back, like she said, she's been covering the state well, and we talked a bit. And one of my concerns back last summer, um, JBS had just had the cybersecurity attack at their plant. I see they just arrested someone involved with that from the Ukraine, if I'm not mistaken. But we've actually had some of our feed, uh, some of our uh, producers in our co-op, which is small, literally uh, what we produce is just a fraction of what Minnesota produces nationwide. We're just, we're minuscule. But we actually had one of our growers have his feed mill uh, attacked by a cybersecurity issue. Um, with, yeah, same, at the same time. Um, cybersecurity issues in agriculture are a big deal. And uh, I brought it up at that meeting in Crookston. And I think it's something we need to really um, watch for as we're moving forward. Those are the things I think about every day. I never thought in Northwestern Minnesota in these small towns, we'd be dealing with that. But this grower's feed mill was actually uh, hacked and he couldn't get access to his feed mill rations and to mix his feed on the farm. He had to actually, uh, well, they wanted, they wanted cryptocurrency to, to release um, his feed rations and, and allow his feed mill to function. He, they found a workaround with his, with his uh, software company, but small, very small producer that still had a cybersecurity impact. So, Well, and, and as we automate more and more, yeah. that becomes more of a risk. And, and it's, it's a little bit of a, um, you know, chicken and egg because you you have the workforce issue, and yeah. so you try to automate more and more, and then you risk yeah. those cyber attacks, and Absolutely. and that is something we are we are really trying to I think address on the federal level. Um, how do we how do we deal with it? But in some cases, you know, that guy from the Ukraine, it's mm -hmm. it's difficult for us. But you know, I did um, if it's okay, um, Congressman Newhouse, I was just going to comment on that workforce issue because okay. it really is, it, it is a big issue. And I, you know, all across the district, they talk about the workforce. And, and one of the things that, you know, it's, 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 yes, we need the bodies, we need the people, but we also need the kinds of things that detract the people, you know, that we need housing is an issue, um, you know, making sure that our education is strong. So people are attracted, healthcare is available. So mm -hmm. they're attracted to the area and, and can, once we get them here, stay. And I know that um, in John's area, housing is a real, um, it's very tight. And, and we're talking not affordable housing, we're talking market rate, people who wanna buy houses or wanna rent at a market rate. And uh, so that's a challenge that we're working with a lot of the uh, cities and uh, cities on um, trying to address that because they are in some cases 
yeah, they're able to attract somebody, but then there's no place for them to live. Um, and so then they end up going someplace else. So there are some strong rural communities is one of the things that I talk about a lot because we need to make sure that people can move to rural Minnesota and have the things they need when they're here. Absolutely. I appreciate that very much, Michelle. You know, listening to you and John, uh, the challenges that you face in Minnesota raising turkeys are not unlike many of the challenges we face in the state of Washington, whether you're a hop farmer or an apple, apple grower. We, we face a lot of the, the same, same things. And I appreciate very much both of you raising, raising those issues. That's what we need to hear and so that we can address those issues in Washington, D.C., um, because you're right, um, so many different things and, and so many urgent, critical issues that, uh, that we need to address. And that's, uh, so that's great to hear from you guys. So, and you did use the, the, the term chicken and egg. I just got to say, in keeping with today's theme, we should probably say turkey and egg. But I almost did. I almost did. <laughs> well, I just want to stay consistent here, but um, so here we are, we're, we're about to draw an end to our episode here, but I wanted to ask you guys both, you know, we're, here we are almost Thanksgiving, favorite time of year for many Americans, turkey dinner and uh, all of the fixings and all that is a huge holiday tradition. But I wanted to ask you guys that are in the business, maybe to share what might be your favorite holiday tr or Thanksgiving tradition. Michelle, any thoughts there you'd like to give us? You know, I, I think the fun of it is, and the tradition is just getting together. You know, it, you, everybody thinks about Christmas, you know, as this great, but there's so many demands during Christmas. You gotta make sure you have presents. You gotta make sure you have all the decorations up just right and the lights are working. But, but with Thanksgiving, you, you know, you cook a big meal and you can just sit down and enjoy, um, you know, enjoy your family and without all, the, all mm -hmm. the other things. And so that's, I think, the best tradition is just getting together with people and having that kind of relaxing day where uh, the phones aren't ringing. And um, maybe there's some football on the TV, maybe. Um, but, uh, but, you know, just that time, I think, is the best. And, um, you know, I think one of the things that I always think about is uh, my dad and mincemeat pie. And he is the only one that will eat it. So, um, so I love that's it. kind of so. the tradition is watching him eat that because everybody else <laughs> wants apple or cherry or something. So he can eat that. So that's one of our traditions. Very good. Very good. John, how about you? You know, I just, I would reiterate what Michelle just said, because that is really um, the core of what my industry has been for the last four generations is, is uh, we're in an industry that revolves around being thankful. And so I've, what I've always appreciated about my industry and, and how we grew up and what it, what it really means to me, you know, like Michelle said, it's not commercialized. It's not about gifts. It's just about just simply being thankful. And uh, so we always try to take time. It, it, it ends up in our family probably being a longer celebration than you know, one day, because um, I'll, I'll stop everything just to watch the National Thanksgiving Pardon. Number one, um, it's just a great event. It, it's just a feel-good event. It's, it, it moves beyond the partisan politics of the day. And I think it's, like I said, the great kickoff to the holiday season. But, you know, I, I think um, number two, it really is just about being thankful and, and for our freedoms and for our families and just stopping and, and saying thanks is something we don't do enough. And so I, I, I really think that's really what it's all about. 
So true. So true. I couldn't agree more. So thank you. Thank you very much for, for sharing that. Congresswoman Michelle Fishbach, uh, State Representative John Burkell, thank you both very much for joining me today. A great discussion with both the uh, hard, serious stuff as well as some lighthearted conversation. So that, that's always fun. Uh, just want to give you opportunity. Any closing thoughts that you might want to share with our listeners? Michelle, can we start with you? Well, I just hope everyone has a happy Thanksgiving, a happy and restful and thankful Thanksgiving. Um, I think that John said it best, but it is it has just been wonderful to join you today. And, um, you know, the rural, be living in rural Minnesota and, and across the country, I'm sure, like you mentioned, in, in the state of Washington, it, it is just, it is a great place to live. And I wish we would attract more people because I think that people would find the life in all the rural areas. Um, far, far better than in a metro area. And I, you know, since this is going to rural folks, I can say that, but I do think that yeah, there is, that. there is something wonderful about raising your family and, um, and living in those rural areas. So thank you so much for having me today. Great. Thank you, John. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me as well. Um, I'll just close up by just telling everybody to eat turkey and not just give it. <laughs> That's very good. Well put. Well, thanks again, both of you, for joining me today. I want to thank our listeners, too, for tuning in to another episode of A Voice for Rural America. And truly wish everyone a happy Thanksgiving. Talk soon. All right. <laughs> All thank right. You. Thanks, guys. All right. Bye-bye.